as you know, this is the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples as a way of learning how to pray, what to pray, um, and why to pray. And so we come to this last clause of the Lord's Prayer, which kind of takes the, the how, the what, and the why and sums it all up in this real beautiful doxology. And that doxology, as we read this morning at the end, says, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In other words, God's kingdom, God's power, and God's glory is what it's all about. God's kingdom, God's power, and God's glory is what it's all about. And we know that in the world that we live in, it's totally telling us something different, isn't it? I mean, we are bombarded every single day with these anthems of self, self-praise, self-righteousness, self-glorification. And so we hear all around us, it's all about me, myself, and I. And so it's get what you can, as much as you can, however you can, because you deserve it. And if you do it like that, and you live for yourself, this really is the best way that we can live our lives, right? And I hope and pray that over the last six weeks as we've been kind of digging into this prayer, that we see that as we not only learn this prayer and not just recite it, the past six weeks, but actually breathe in these words of Jesus and then exhale it, live it out. As we've been able to do that, that these words actually reorder our desires. They transform our motives and our actions so that we really wanna love God and love others. And when God graciously allows his word to get into our hearts and he transforms us, then we start to see that the best possible way of living, that a life that we all really want, like a life of peace, a life of joy, a life that is reconciled with others, a life that is seeking justice, this is what we really want. This is the best possible life. And when God starts transforming us by his word, And by the words of this prayer, then we realize that that best possible life is found in God's kingdom, not in our kingdom. It's God's kingdom, God's power, and God's glory. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Now, it's interesting if you think through this doxology, um, because if you've been tracking with us for the last six weeks, um, Chris and I, have, as we've read this, have said uh, some manuscripts say yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. And the reason is uh, if, you have a modern, if you have a modern translation of the Bible, like the ESV, that's what we typically will preach from. You may have the NIV, which is also a very good translation. But most of those modern translations do not have this doxology written in it as part of Matthew's text. And the reason for that is, is that we believe with, with, with pretty cert- good certainty that these words did not appear in Matthew's gospel. And with that, it pro- probably wasn't necessarily spoken by Jesus. But 
Is it okay, is the question, to be able then, as the church, to come along and say, this part of the Lord's Prayer, is that legitimate? And I wanna answer that and say, absolutely it is. A couple things we need to make sure that we remind ourselves of. First, we don't attribute it as scripture. That what we have and the best documents that we have do not have this clause in Matthew's gospel. In fact, what we've found and what we can kind of see is that the early church, probably within the first hundred years of Jesus' day, began to add this doxology at the end of the prayer as a way to encourage the church and to take a prayer that seems to kind of end so abruptly, right? It's like, deliver us from evil. But that the early church wanted to, again, when they gathered as the church to worship God, remind themselves that it's God who has the kingdom and the power and the glory. In fact, this doxology here reminds us of another doxology that is found in the Old Testament. And there's doxologies all over the place in Scripture. In fact, uh, at the end today when we send you out this benediction that we do, that we send you out in God's peace and power, I'm going to read to you a doxology that's written in the New Testament. But there's actually a doxology in the Old Testament in 1 Chronicles 29 that seems to be maybe something that uh, allowed the early church to put this doxology in the Lord's Prayer here. And in 1 Chronicles 29, 11, King David is anointing his son Solomon who is going to come and build the, the temple. And the temple was the place where God's presence was gonna dwell among Israel. David wasn't gonna be the one to do that, but he started accumulating all of the goods and all of the wealth, asking Israel to bring their tithes and their offerings. And so David is consecrating what is to come and he's blessing the people as he blesses God. And here is his doxology in 1 Chronicles 29 11. David says, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Sounds pretty similar to the doxology that we read at the end of the Lord's Prayer, right? And so these doxologies are fitting, and it is appropriate for us as this church to say it. And it's so fitting, in fact, because when we think of God having the kingdom and the power and the glory at the end of this prayer, we see this wrapped up throughout the entire prayer already. These elements of kingdom and power and glory, and so what I want us to do is we kind of work this out as we come to the summary of these six weeks here um, to recap. I want us to kind of flesh this out a little bit. I'm gonna ask you, and we're gonna do some dialogue, and I'm gonna ask you some pointed questions to kind of summarize this. But first, I want us to think through these elements of kingdom, power, and glory. In this prayer already in these last six weeks, where have we seen the element of kingdom already displayed. Where have we seen it? And feel free to look at your text and look at the scriptures and see the prayer. Where have we already heard about God's kingdom? 
yeah, your kingdom come. So at that very beginning of this prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your name be revered and holy and displayed. And so your kingdom come. What do we mean by that? What did, what did that mean for us to, for Jesus to give us those words, your kingdom come? Guys, like, oh, I'm gonna go back and listen to first week of uh, our series. What does it mean to pray, Lord, your kingdom come? Okay, aligning our desires with God's desires. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sovereign. He's in charge. Here's a, here's a good definition of God's kingdom I heard a while back. We could say, maybe say it like this, that God's kingdom is God's people in God's place under God's rule and blessing. God's people in God's place under God's rule and blessing. And so when we say, God, we want your kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven, where it's like, we want your complete rule over all creation, over our lives, over all that is broken, we want to see men, women, and children become your people. We want your blessing to extend from nation to nation, from North Korea to North Dakota. We want your kingdom to rule every nick and cranny of our earth. That's what it means. This is to pray the kingdom. And so kids, let me ask you, if you're, if you're following along on our note sheets, at the very bottom of that sermon notes, it has the four questions. Who is God? What has he done? Who are we? How do we live? Let's answer that first question of who is God, or maybe we could say, what is God like? If we know that God rules a kingdom, what does that make him? He's king. Yeah, he's the king. And if you know anything about a kingdom, the king has complete and total authority, right? It's like the king rules everything. And that's what's true of God. So when we pray, God, your kingdom come here on earth, we want your rule, God, to extend everywhere. Let me ask you this, guys, is, I've been thinking through this and as a summary of this series we've been going through, whose kingdom have you been living in of late? Is it a kingdom of God or a kingdom of self? When you think about the decisions you've been making, you've been thinking about maybe the conversations that you've had or the conversations you've refused to have that you know you need to have or it's the selfish desires and motives that have driven you this week. Uh, whose kingdom have you been living in? 
It's awesome. And I hope that's true for all of us. And we need God's strength and power to do that, right? Well, we also see the element of power in this prayer. Where have we seen that? The element of power. God's power. To deliver us. Does that take some power? Yeah, as much as I love you, brother, you, there's no way you can deliver me, right? Yeah. To be delivered from what? What do we need deliverance from? Evil, sin, our flesh. We need deliverance from walking in the kingdom of self instead of the kingdom of God, right? We need that deliverance. That takes power and it won't come from us. Yeah, where else do we see power? At work in this prayer. In what way? Mm. Yeah. Great. Did you guys hear that? God's will be done. It takes power for it to be done and it makes it sure it will happen. Yeah. Anywhere else? You see God's power at work in this prayer. For sure, yeah. Absolutely. From the very beginning, our Father to the very end. Amen. Yeah. Think of the power of God to provide our daily food, to provide our daily needs, right? The fact that he's just, he's provider. Kids, who is God? What is he like? He's not only king, but he's provider. He's deliverer. What has he done? He's provided our needs. He's given us food on our table, clothes for our bodies, beds to sleep in, a house over our heads where we can live in. He is our provider. He's our deliverer. He saved us from sin. That takes power, right? The power of God to change and transform. Whose power have you been relying on lately? What does that look like in your life? Give you an example of what it looks like to live in my own power and not God's is this was a week for me of a lot of stress and worry. And I find that when I worry quite a bit, which I tend to do, which is sinful, I'm really, number one, not trusting in God and I think that I have more power than he does. That somehow by worrying, I'm gonna be able to take care of the situation better than God. This is the kingdom of self. When I start worrying and being anxious and thinking, I need to fix this problem. God, I know you're more powerful than I am, but I got this. I got this, God. Yeah, that doesn't really work well. Chances are it probably doesn't work well for you either. 
Whose power are you relying on? And maybe let me ask you this question. This may look different. What might change in your life this week if you started relying on God's power, not yours? Is there a conversation that you need to have with somebody that you've really been dreading to have and you're scared, you're afraid of what he or she may say, you're, you're scared of speaking truth to them and you're, you're, that scare, that fear comes because you're relying on your power. But you know in your heart, I need to have this conversation, I need to tell this person the truth and I need to share the love of Jesus and so rely on the power of God. Don't rely on your power. What would it look like this week to rely on God's power? Last element we see here in this doxology is that of glorying. And we've seen glory throughout this prayer. And glory is kind of hard, right? I mean, that's, that's a hard definition. How would you define glory? I mean, we sing about it, we talk about it, but really, what on earth does glory mean? Kathy, you have an idea? Yeah, it is hard to describe, right? Like if I were to say, describe a basketball, you probably could describe that, right? You have an idea in your mind what a basketball is. You can tangibly hold it. You can show it. It's, you know, it's a sphere. It's a circle. It's orange most of the time. You can kind of describe a basketball. But when you say, describe God's glory, it's not easy like describing a basketball, is it? Here's a definition that I heard a long time ago. I think is super helpful. And this is not, I wish I would have came up with this. I didn't. But uh, an author, pastor by the name of John Piper, I'm sure we've heard of him. He had this incredible, I think, super helpful um, description of glory. And actually, it starts back with thinking about God's holiness. He said that God's holiness is his intrinsic worth. It's his intrinsic beauty, his intrinsic power, all that he is. That's his holiness. And that God's glory is the public display of that holiness for all the world to see. So when we say that God is glorious, we're saying that God is displaying for the world to see how worthy he is how beautiful and powerful he is. So with that in mind, where do we see God's glory at play here in this prayer? Where do you see that? Yeah. If you've truly felt the forgiveness of God, you know that forgiveness of everything that you've done or been done to you or will do is completely erased, forgiven. You are experiencing 
experiencing his display of love and grace and holiness and mercy upon you in an incredible way, it's, you're feeling it, you know it, you experience it. That's the public this display of God's glory. Yeah, absolutely. Hallowed be your name. Yeah. Remember, we, we talked about that. It's that, that display. That really is display your name, your glory across the entire universe. Let everybody see who you are. Reveal yourself, God. Your glory shine. We see God's glory at play when the poor are fed. When kids are reunited with their families. When the refugee has people come alongside of them and love them and care for them and say, you matter. We see God's glory at work. Whose glory have you been living for? Another way to say it is, who have you been putting on display in your life? Do a barometer check. Maybe for you it's to think through the Facebook posts or the Instagram posts and what does that say about who you're putting on display? Or the conversations that you're having at work or in the coffee shop is you have an opportunity to proclaim what God is doing to you encourage others by building and praising God or do you puff yourself up? And we're all guilty of that. Who are we putting on display? Who receives the glory? God's kingdom, God's power, God's glory is what it's all about. And at the end of this doxology, it says, it's forever it's forever. It's not just now, Sunday, June 24th. It is forever. Let's look at some of the scripture passages that we see. In the book of Daniel, we read this. He is the living God, and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his rule will never end. Look at Psalm 145. It says, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. That the kingdom of God, the power of God, the glory of God endures forever. And here's why this is good news for us, guys. Because as you start thinking through those questions, whose kingdom have I been living in? Whose power have I been relying on? Whose glory have I been seeking? If you answer that and go, it's been me, myself, and I, then the good news is that the kingdom of God and the power of God and the glory of God that goes forever can transform us from that way of living. That's good news so that you don't have to beat yourself up this morning and go, man, I really blew it this week. I'm a loser. There's no hope for me. 
but that the kingdom of God and the power of God and the glory of God, which encompasses his mercy and his forgiveness and his grace that goes on forever and ever and ever is ours if we belong to Christ. That is so good news for us because it doesn't just happen today, but it will happen continually so that I know that when I start living again in the kingdom of self, that I have Jesus who has saved me and has been my righteousness and I can rely on him and be brought back again forever, forever. God's kingdom, God's power, God's glory, it's what it's all about. And guys, as we take this prayer, and we really breathe it in. It's not just to recite it on a Sunday morning and say, wow, over the last six weeks, I've learned the Lord's Prayer. I've been able to memorize that. But it really is to breathe it in, to live it out. Because that's what we asked you to consider at the very beginning of the series is, don't just learn this prayer, but live this prayer. In your word, in deed, in language, in life, how do we then make this prayer our own? What does this really look like in the day-to-day -day stuff? How does this matter? And there's three things of just kind of thinking through, three things I wanna just kind of offer up that will help us to really live this prayer out. Number one, I think we need to see this prayer as this is a prayer of mission. This is a prayer of mission. That to pray the Lord's Prayer is to pray that God's kingdom and his power and his glory would be seen throughout the entire world. And specifically, to pray that people would see the glory of Jesus the Messiah. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, 6 wrote that God, for God who said, let light shine out of the darkness has shown in our hearts the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. When we pray this prayer, we are saying, Jesus, we want the world to see your glory. We want the world to see your glory in my life. We want to see the glory of people to see the glory of Jesus in Missio in the, our neighbors, in our kids. This is a prayer of mission. And a good place that we start certainly is with our own personal submission to God as king. That we say, God, I'm submitting my life and if you are the king, then I wanna serve you, I wanna obey you, I want my thoughts and my hearts and my motives to be aligned to you. That's personal submission, and we have to start there. But we don't stop there. Because this prayer also calls us not to only be submitting ourselves to God personally, but it also calls us to actively join his mission to see all of creation experience his reign and rule and blessing. So we take this prayer as a prayer of mission that fuels us for the vocation that God has called us to. 
It's also a prayer of empowerment. It's a prayer of empowerment. Well, what do we mean by that? That to pray this prayer and to think through what does it really mean that we join God on his mission? What does it really mean to pray, God, forgive me for my sins as I've forgiven others? And as Kristen, uh, just a great job the other week, we think about that, to forgive other people, super hard to do. At least it is for me. Like, I need power to do that, right? And so if we remind ourselves of who God has made us to be, that we as the church are God's royal priesthood, his holy nation, as Peter tells us, then we are citizens of the king. We're part of God's royal family. And so when Jesus gives his followers this, word, this prayer to pray, which is our prayer to pray, he doesn't leave us without the power in which to pray it. And he doesn't leave us without power in which to live it out. And that power comes from the spirit of God, whom Jesus, if you remember, told his same disciples in John 14 that when I leave this earth, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit who will remind you of everything I've taught you, including this prayer. And he will remind you of that and he will also empower you not to only pray it, but to believe it and to live it out. Guys, this is good news. So when we come and we think of this prayer, we pray this to God, we know that we can pray it not with our power, but with God's power. Do this, O oh God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven through us by your power. That's confidence. And that's the last thing the last one that I see, that this is a prayer of confidence for us. A prayer of confidence. Why can we say that this prayer gives us confidence? Well, number one, who gave this prayer? Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God, gave this prayer to his disciples. Through Jesus, God the creator has become king. And the power of the world has been upended by the power of the cross. The glory of the world has out, been outshone by the glory of the cross. And when we see that Jesus alone not only gave his disciples this prayer, but fulfilled this prayer by bringing the kingdom to come already, already. And we get to join him on that and we're invited into his story. That gives us confidence. Gives us confidence to say, God, I'm going to pray that your kingdom come. I'm gonna pray that you feel the bellies of the poor. I'm gonna pray that you give me the power to forgive those I need to forgive. God, I'm gonna pray that you're gonna keep me from temptation and from the evil one. I can pray that with confidence. I lift up this prayer and I say, God, you gave me the power. You gave us the words. We are confident. You will do what you asked us to do, Jesus, all because you have conquered as the king. 
who gave his life for us that we might live. And because we are confident, we can end this doxology with amen. What does the word amen mean? Kids, do you know? We end our prayers, amen. What does it mean? Let it be. Another way we could say it is make it sure. And you can actually be emphatic by it, really. And it says, it is sure. It is done. And so when we pray in the name of Jesus, we say, in Jesus' name, amen. We are saying, Jesus, it is done. It is sure because of you. God's kingdom, God's power, and God's glory is really what it's all about. And so as we go into this week, I wanna encourage us, each of us, all of us, whether you have been walking in the kingdom of God or not, wherever you're at, I wanna encourage you guys as we step into this week that we would pray this prayer every single day this week. And it may be praying the whole thing. It might be that you take one verse like we broke it up in our series and you prayed each day. But I want you to pray this and ask God to make this alive in your heart. To make it not only alive in your heart, but real in your actions. And I believe that if we, be, if we believe and we trust Jesus that this prayer is truly the words of Jesus to his disciples, teaching them how to pray, what to pray, and why to pray, that we will see our lives transformed for the glory of God. And that we will see our city transformed with the good news of Jesus. That we will see our missional communities vibrant and flourishing, reaching out on God's mission to the broken, the lost, the least, the left out. If this is Jesus' words to his church of how to pray, we need to be listening and praying this prayer. Would you do that this week? Take every day, just this week, and pray that prayer and ask God to make it real to you. Where have you doubted his work? Where have you been failing to forgive? Where have you maybe been failing to provide where God is urging you to do that? Just trust the spirit to work in you. And would you do me another favor? I would love to hear this week about what the spirit's doing as you pray that. Drop me a note, email, phone call, text. I would just love to hear what the spirit is doing as you're praying that prayer. The grace of God is given to us in the person of Jesus Christ so that this prayer can really truly be ours for his glory. I want to end as to read the Lord's Prayer again, but I'm gonna do a little bit different. Instead of having all of us praying, I'm going to pray the prayer again and then I'm going to also just ask God for each individual part of that prayer to do something specific 
And as, so as I pray this, um, I'm just gonna ask you to pray silently where you're at, pray in your heart, and just listen to the words and ask the Spirit to reveal to you how this prayer is going to be made alive in your heart. We'll end here. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Father, we draw near to you in reverence and in confidence this morning. Coming as children to a father, able and ready to help us as we pray for ourselves and for others. God, empower us and others to glorify you in all that we do as we live and work in your good creation, your creation that displays your power and mercy. Your kingdom come. Rule us, God, by your word and your spirit so that we submit to you more and more. Keep your church strong and add to it. God, will you destroy the devil's work? Destroy every force that revolts against you and every conspiracy against your holy word. Do this until your kingdom is complete and perfect so that you may be all in all. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray, Father, that you by your grace in the face of Jesus Christ would make us able and willing to know, obey, and submit to your will in all things, just as the angels do in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. God, take care of all of our physical needs. so that we may come to you and know that you are the only source of everything good and the one who brings blessing. Father, because you have blessed us with good gifts, may we also bless others with good gifts that point to you. And forgive us our debts as we forget our debtors. We pray that you, God, in the name of Jesus, would forgive all our sins. And we are confident to ask you this because by your grace, we are able from the heart to forgive others because we have been forgiven. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, by ourselves, we are too weak to hold on our own, even for a moment. And our sworn enemies, the devil, the systems of this world and our own sinful flesh never stop attacking us. And so, Lord, we ask, uphold us. Make us strong with the strength of your Holy Spirit so that we may not go down to defeat in this spiritual struggle here on earth, but may firmly resist our enemies until we finally win the complete victory when Jesus brings the kingdom fully and finally. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We have made all these requests of you because as our all-powerful king, you not only want to, 
but are able to give us all that is good. To you, God, and not to us, belongs the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.